When you are in need of defensive reinforcements, especially along the defensive line, where do you turn? Well, apparently Ephraim and Snow College. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show and joining us every single weekday right here as we talk all things BYU. Title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at LinkedIn. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people that have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals in 2023. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Term and conditions apply. All right, let's dive right in on today's show and talk about a trio of commitments to the BYU football program. I guess I should say technically know for sure about two of them. The third, I think it's confirmed, but his wording on his social media post about it made it a little ambiguous. But nonetheless, uh, BYU looking for depth along their defensive line has found it apparently, at least bolstering it, by bringing in a trio of Snow College uh, products. All three of them defensive linemen, and I think all three of them have opportunities to be a big part of what BYU is trying to do along the defensive line. First one that came through that I saw was Stone Mulatalo, uh, formerly of Skyridge High School, spent the past two years playing for Snow College. Six foot three, 310 pounds or thereabouts, uh, defensive tackle, but the ability to play a myriad of different roles. That's what I love about Stone is his ability to kind of move along the defensive line and play at a one technique, a zero technique, three technique. I even saw him at one point on his uh, huddle highlights at a four technique outside of a guard, so he's got versatility along the defensive line, and I like that about him. Now, I actually had a chance to cover Stone during his high school days playing at Sky Ridge High School in Lehigh. Had a chance to call a couple of the games for KSL Sports Rewind, and really impressed with what this kid shows. He, he's a He's not necessarily going to wow you with in terms of his overall physical prowess, and he's not going to make highlight real plays on the defensive line. What I love about him is he's a willing uh, guy who's willing to take on double teams to make sure that plays are made. But he also makes plenty of plays in his own right, holding up against those double and triple teams that came at him at times. He's bulked up since his days at... Uh, at Skyridge, I remember him playing around like 270 pounds, but now he's north of 300 pounds. It should be a very nice space eater for BYU on the interior of their defensive line. Alongside him will be David Latu. David Latu, a six foot four, 300 pounder himself from Bountiful. Uh, he totaled 23 tackles, four tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks this past year uh, as a freshman for the Badgers. He's actually younger, the youngest of the three, I should say, of this trio of players coming out of Snow College. He actually will have four years to play at BYU versus a guy like Stone who will have uh, three years to play too but what I love about David Latu is similar to what uh, Stone Mulotalo showed is his ability to hold up under pressure. I mean, offensive linemen coming down on him with double teams and the like. He showed the ability to hold up against that, and with his youth, you expect, okay, he should be able to continue to make leaps and bounds as he joins the BYU football program. Now, those are the two we know that have committed for certain. They were on visits this past weekend. The third in that group is John Taumapayao, and hopefully I pronounced that correctly. He is a defensive end uh, for Snow College, a Originally from Washington, out of Sammamish, Washington, uh, played, at, I believe, federal out of Federal Way or something like that. See, uh, Eastside Catholic High School, excuse me, uh, up there in uh, the 
Seattle Metroplex, essentially. And he came to Snow College and has been a very, very productive player. More of a defensive end, a stand-up pass rush role for him. They list him at six foot two, between 275 and 290 pounds, depending on which service you look at. But what I love about a guy like John Tomeo Powell is his ability to come downhill in terms of his pass rush ability. He had 11 tackle, 11 and a half tackles for loss, uh, is what I saw reported, as well as seven and a half sacks for Snow College this past year. So all three of these guys fairly productive at the junior college level. They are taking on a massive uh, undertaking to come in and make the transition right away to Power 5 football playing for the BYU football program. But the other thing about this is all three of them will not be guys you hear announced on Wednesday during National Signing Day for BYU because all three of them, to my understanding, are all preferred walk-ons. So they will have a spot on BYU's roster. Their tuition will be paid for via the Built Bar NIL deal that pays uh, the walk-on players at BYU all of their uh, tuition money, in theory. They can do, use it however they want, but the thought process is they're paid the amount of money they would pay their tuition for an, every year via Built Bar, and it's a very, very kind thing that Built Bar does for these athletes. But all three of them, I think, are very, very solid football players, and BYU's getting a steal bringing all three of them in without having to expend a scholarship amongst all three. Could one or two of them end up with a scholarship before the season begins? Potentially, but the thing about this is, as a preferred walk-on, you are coming in into this program, speaking of BYU, with the understanding that if you play as well as these coaches believe you can play, that eventually you will be put on scholarship. But yet again, the the snow call I'm not saying the snow college the built bar nil deal for BYU is paying dividends because I'm not sure any of these three without having some assurance of some of that financial component here with that nil deal via built bar would have ever really considered going to BYU they had offers from other G5 type programs but BYU is giving them a chance to make the jump right from snow college and the junior college ranks to playing power five football everybody dreams of playing football at the highest level they possibly can. I'm wearing my San Francisco 49ers hat today uh, for any of you who happen to be listening to this and not watching on YouTube. And you know what? I love watching guys like Fred Warner out of BYU play at the highest level. That's the fun part about watching the NFL. Well, to bring it down to the college level, the highest level you can go to in college is the Power 5 level. And that's what all three of these young men are taking with their jump as they join the BYU football program is they're making the leap from the junior college ranks to playing for BYU in the Big 12. This is, a, I think, a very, very savvy pickup for BYU along the interior of this defensive line. In the case of Talmoy Apeau, if he really has uh, committed to BYU, he is going to be a defensive end type coming in, playing a similar role to what Isaiah Banya is playing coming in from Boise State. Like I said, it's, it's, it's really a low-risk, potential very high reward with all three of these guys because if all three of them are as good as some of their film suggests they are at Snow College, you have found, in my opinion, at the very worst, guys that are too deep caliber off uh, defensive linemen. They're guys that are capable of coming in. And a guy like, let's say, a Stone Mulatalo, I loved him coming out of high school, playing for Skyridge. I thought he was severely under-recruited and underrated during his time at Skyridge. He decided to bet on himself and go to the junior college ranks, and now he's getting the opportunity to play for one of his hometown teams in Utah and has the opportunity to play at the Power 5 level. I think he's got the capability of being a starting caliber defensive lineman for BYU. This is an opportunity also for BYU's coaching staff, led by Jay Hill on the defensive side of the football, and Sione Apua, who's going to coach these guys. You also have Jan Jorgensen working with them, and in the case of John Talmud, you probably have Kelly uh, Papinga working with him a little bit as well, is that they are going to come in and they're expected to come in and uh, 
just really help BYU navigate some treacherous waters right now. I think BYU's new defensive staff came in, probably looked at the film and said, okay, we have some pieces, but we need more bodies. We need more guys that can come in and help us build this defensive lineup. The the goal for BYU's defensive line under this new J-Hill defense is to generate pass rush with four guys. I don't know we talked about this multiple times during the era of Elisa Tuiaki's defense, but can this be the year that BYU can generate a pass rush with just four or five guys on the defensive line? It never came to fruition. The only really time BYU generated pass rush is when they really sold out on the rare occasions with a blitz. Maybe a four, five, a six-man blitz maybe got home once in a while. This is a new era for BYU football. The defensive line is going to be expected with their four-man alignment to get after the quarterback and cause havoc. Can they do that this year? We're going to find out. But I think the coaching staff signed off, all, all of them, Jay Hill, Sione Pua, uh, 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 Kelly Papinga, etc., all had to sign off on bringing these three young men in and saying, you know what, we need to bring them in because they can help us at the bare minimum bolster this defensive line. There are a lot of bodies in BYU's defensive line. I could probably spend the rest of this podcast going guy by guy, name by name, of all the players on BYU's defensive line. How many of them, in my opinion, are starting caliber guys? Uh, there's there's one or two that I can think of. I'd say John Nelson and Tyler Batty are starting caliber defensive linemen. Well, that's two guys, but of the other 10, 15 guys on that roster, I'm not a, uh, to a man. I'm not 100% certain that any of them I would say are quote-unquote starting caliber guys and BYU needed an influx of talent, and they have done that. They also have Jackson Cravens coming in, who's also expected to be a starter at the defensive tackle position. So, I guess this is a, this is an opportunity for this defensive line to bolster itself, but at the same time, this spring ball period can be very important for all of these guys to go out there and get the opportunity to get after it uh, on the defensive front. All of them, and even these new three new young men, they're probably coming in during the spring period, so they're going to miss spring ball, but they're coming in on a fairly equal footing with all of their compatriots. Nobody on this BYU defense knows this defense outside of Eddie Heckard, and Eddie Heckard may find there's some uh, changes that BYU runs with him at cornerback versus what he ran at Weber State. So this is a big opportunity for BYU's defense to prove itself, and all three of these young men, Stone Mulatalo, David Latu, as well as John Talmoyapao, are going to have an opportunity to prove themselves on the football field, and I would imagine that the very worst, these guys are probably rotation pieces for BYU's defensive line. And by the way, uh, if David Latu... I, have a ch- I need to get see if I can get a chance to talk to him. His uh, Twitter handle uh, names has the name Perseus Latu. I would sincerely hope if his name is Perseus, don't go by David anymore. Go by Perseus Latu. That is an incredible name. And if, if it is legitimately a uh, given name for him, he should just, at BYU, reinvent himself. I'm Perseus Latu. I'm no longer David Latu. But that's just a, another aside to this conversation. All right. <clears throat> Coming up here in just a minute, let's talk some BYU basketball. Another gut punch loss for BYU Saturday night. St. Mary's does them in again, and it's a similar script, it felt like, to what happened against Gonzaga just a couple of weeks ago. We'll talk about that. Also coming up later on today's show, we also need to talk about BYU and what's going on with regards to looking back at their 2012 season, how other teams in BYU football fared over the weekend. we got all that coming up on today's show. All right, before we get to that, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's with us 
all year long, and they're one of our brand new sponsors here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl body is our fr- Super Bowl party is our friends at FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Right now, what I need you guys to do is download the FanDuel app so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000 back. Three grand, my friends. And bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, the best part is FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will win and excuse me, to who will win and also who might just simply score a touchdown. It's really that simple. So in the lead up to Super Bowl 57, you got two weeks here, my friends. Get on it. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, best of all, you can get paid out your winnings instantly. So get on it and get in on the action with our friends at FanDuel. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And of course, brand new sponsor right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you once again for checking us out right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. I want to remind you guys, Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl this week. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowls Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. That's 7 o'clock Mountain Time for those of you here along the Wasatch Front. Very fun stuff. And of course, Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland all taking part in the Senior Bowl. Looking forward to seeing what they can show uh, NFL scouts this week. All right, let's talk some BYU hoops for a minute here. Now, another gut punch loss for BYU basketball, and I don't need to break it down any more than this felt like to me just a carbon copy of what happened against Gonzaga just a couple of weeks ago for BYU. BYU comes out absolutely balling, uh, playing their tails off, defending at a high level, making life miserable for a team that it was far better than them coming into the contest, but what happens in the end? They come down the court. Dallin Hall had an absolutely incredible game, a career-high 20 points. He gets to the hole, gets fouled, has a chance to make it a two-point game for BYU, goes one of two at the free-throw line, and then what happens? St. Mary's comes right down the court and scores on a fadeaway jumper. And I just it's one of those things. Mahaney uh, ends up nailing it. And by the way, the the possession that Mahaney had there uh, coming out of the timeout, I guess not a timeout, but uh, coming down the court, it was an ugly ugly setup. Like the, the the possession did not go well. He tries to drive into the lane, then kind of bellies back out, and then just turns around and heaves up this uh, look uh, on like a Dirk fadeaway type look and nails it. And it's just, you can hear all the air, literally. If you go back and watch that replay, I was watching it on TV. I had some family responsibilities that kept me home at the last minute. But watching that game on TV, you could essentially feel all the air go out of the Marriott Center as fans were just deflated. Like, any of you who watched this game and or were in attendance at this game know exactly what I'm talking about. It just it felt like, man, how much does BYU really need to put in to just grind out one of these wins? Now, if you want to look at the glass half full side of things, BYU has battled two of their toughest opponents to date, to the very death essentially, and BYU has come up one point short in both of those contests. That's a that's the glass half full. Is that BYU has come very very agonizingly close 
to upsetting these players, uh, these teams, excuse me. And if they could have maybe another couple opportunities, they may get a chance to pull an upset. And obviously, they will have those opportunities both on the road coming up in conference play. BYU will go to both Gonzaga and St. Mary's before conference play wraps up here in the month of February. But on the other side of it, are all of these scars, all of these issues BYU's had, turnovers rearing their ugly head at points in this game once again. I, one of them, if I'm not mistaken, was it Spencer Johnson that dribbled it off his leg late in this game? And it was just like, man, can you just get out of your own way once? It, it, and I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to come off as, uh, as just kind of laughing about this. But it, it's just it, it, it's brutal to watch this BYU basketball team, just the self-inflicted wounds on this team. Now, let me also acknowledge one thing. The three players who sat out this game, Noah Waterman, Atiki Ali, Atiki, as well Jackson Robinson, that made for a very short bench for BYU. And about eight guys, it was an eight-man rotation, and BYU went really deep into that rotation, as deep as they could. Trey Stewart got extended run in this game. Uh, there were guys, I was, I was having to look up rosters and be like, okay, who are some of these guys playing for BYU in this game? And to their credit, they, they like I said, they battled St. Mary's to the absolute bitter end and lost on a pretty incredible shot all things considered but those suspensions man we don't know much about it Mark Pope uh, really uh, when asked about it in the post game said I'm really emotional we should be talking about the eight guys who played in this game versus those three Mark you got to explain a little more for us I I understand it was a violation of team rules but is that an indication that the roster is fracturing? It was it a one-off that you realized something something popped up it's handled now and BYU is going to be fine there is concern now on that front that guys are getting suspended for violations of team rules. Did, did they do something stupid? Did they? How? I'm not going to try to postulate what might happen because I don't know what happened, but it's not a good look for a team that has had its issues, well chronicled, we've talked about it on this podcast, but a team that has had multiple issues to have guys getting suspended for violations of team rules. It screams to me that there's some maybe some locker room issues issues going on, but uh, that's just me speculating here. Now, let's also acknowledge the fact that BYU's lost three straight games now in West Coast Conference play, and this week, I know it's it's quote-unquote a relative layup, but they have LMU coming in, and by the way, BYU lost at LMU, you all recall, that's 64-59 to just a few weeks ago. They also have Pacific coming in, Pacific has been a thorn in BYU's side in the past, but so... It doesn't get any easier for this BYU men's basketball team. They're 14-10 and 10 on the season, and like I said, you can look at it as they're oh so close, but they're also, in some ways, so far away. They're now 6th in the West Coast Conference as the week begins here. Uh, if you p- win both of the games this week, you'll uh, vault right back up the standings, probably into the top three almost, probably the worst of your, your number four. But it's... <laughs> It feels like I'm coming on this podcast talking BYU basketball. In some ways, I'm talking the same talking points I have every single game. And I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but when BYU has some of the same issues, and it's like a carbon copy of the game that they played against Gonzaga, a 75 to 74 loss against Gonzaga just a couple of weeks ago, and then it's a 57 to 56 loss to St. Mary's in almost the exact same circumstance, it makes you think, okay, well, there's not much a ton else we can talk about. Now, let's also look at this. BYU has 12 turnovers in this game, and it's one of their best turnover games in uh, in quite a while. They were the was it at Santa Clara was at 15 in the first half alone, so to cut that to 12 for the entire game, that's a good number for BYU. But I can remember multiples of those turnovers. That one, there was I think it was about a minute to go. I think it was Spencer Johnson dribbles off his leg. They're still coming up in critical moments. Did BYU shoot it very well? Eh, okay. 42.3% from the field, that's not bad. 33%, 6 of 18 from 3, not great, but 
compared to some of the other numbers BYU's had, it's 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 an improvement in a, in a way, but it feels like the biggest thing for this BYU team, and I think it was Denny Karchner out there on Twitter, he, he tweeted at me about this. He says, biggest thing for me with this BYU basketball team is this season's all about development and building for the future going into the Big 12. And I would agree with that. The only concern you have to monitor here if you're Mark Pope is, yes, you are trying to build for the future. You want Dallin Hall, Richie Saunders, Fusini Traore, Jackson Robinson, Atiki Ali Atiki on down that list. The young guys in this program, they're going to be around for two and three more years, hopefully, you also have to monitor, okay, are they happy being here? Because they can jump in the transfer portal and they can leave this program as soon as this season ends over. That's the other thing you have to monitor here. But I am all about development this season. That's the biggest thing is BYU is going into the Big 12. Doing something here in the West Coast Conference and the tournament upcoming in March, etc., that'd be fun, obviously. That'd be really fun to see BYU make a run like that. But my thing, and this is just, I'm just speaking for me, is this BYU basketball season for me is trying to set the groundwork for BYU going into the Big 12. Will they be a more competitive team in the Big 12? I highly doubt that because there are, what, six, seven better teams in the rankings-wise at least than St. Mary's is in the Big 12 that BYU will face on a weekly basis. That is the concern you have to have if you're a BYU fan going into the Big 12, but the only way these young bucks, Dallin Hall, Richie Son, like I said, that whole list of guys, the only way they get better is to throw them out there and let them work their way through their issues. Dallin Hall had an awful, awful week last week at Santa Clara and USF. He had maybe his best game, his career high points-wise, maybe his best game against St. Mary's this past game. What happens if Mark Pope overreacts and says, Dallin Hall, you're bench. We're, we're, we're going to go with uh, Rudy Williams in this game. And now, it was of a necessity that you needed him in this game with the player suspensions that were also mixed into this. But he responds after that awful, awful back-to-back set out at Santa Clara and USF with maybe his finest game in a BYU uniform to date. So let these young men play, and maybe we should uh, not be living and dying so much with the wins and losses for BYU right now, but more so with the basketball side of things. Just understand that BYU, this is all about setting the groundwork and a framework and, a, I guess, a foundation for BYU as they get ready to take on a massive, massive challenge when they go to the Big 12. So that's just a couple of thoughts on BYU basketball. We, we will round out today's show with a look back at one of BYU's games that uh, makes you think, okay, what, what, what just happened there? But uh, BYU taking on Utah State for the second time is, is an independent. We look back at the 2012 season or look back at all 155 BYU football games continues as well as a recap of all the other teams in action this past weekend in BYU sports. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at UCCU. And UCCU is opening a new branch, my friends, in Vineyard to celebrate UCCU is giving away 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state and the new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch that you come to love. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM and UCCU's new interactive teller machines or ITM for short which provides all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection to get the work done you need to get done so to celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch, enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The winner will be announced in April, just before, uh, just in time, excuse me, for summer fun. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard today, conveniently located right next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at uccu.com. The best part is you don't have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank.
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. And I probably should acknowledge this right off the top. Apologies for the lack of a video component on Friday's edition of the podcast. I got done recording, pushed and recording on the software I use. Excuse me. Excuse me about that. Uh, but I uh, pushed stop on it, and all of a sudden the video component didn't show up. The audio component showed up just fine. So I had to just kind of do an overlay with the graphic of the podcast and just put the audio up. So apologies for the video component not showing up on Friday's podcast, but thank you for bearing with us. All right. Before we go on today's show, let's run down how the weekend went in other BYU sports. Let's start off with the high. A BYU women's gymnastics got a season-high score, 196.650, as they got a win over the weekend. Also, BYU men's volleyball rallies to get a 3-2 upset. Uh, the number 12-ranked Cougars beating number 6 UC Irvine 3-2. Down there in Irvine, getting a split of their matches on the week. So fantastic stuff for BYU men's volleyball. They are now 5-1 uh, and one to start their season. So really, really good stuff see that for BYU. I probably should mention BYU Women's Volleyball did beat Utah State in a rivalry matchup in MRGC play. So congratulations to both those teams. Now, for the downers, uh, BYU Women's Basketball, really surprising loss. Losing to Pacific, 79-66. BYU dominated Pacific just a few weeks ago by 18 points. And uh, I remember seeing some people postulate on Twitter that maybe it's due to some tired legs for BYU. Lauren Gustin continues just to absolutely be a monster, but they are playing their star players, their, their best Five are playing a ton of minutes for BYU women's basketball right now, and you do have to wonder, okay, is it catching up with them at all? And that was a tough loss for BYU women's basketball. They'll look to bounce back this week as they come home uh, for some of those games. Also, BYU uh, track and field was in Arkansas at the Razorback uh, Invitational, and Casey Klinger, congratulations to him, the number one all-time school record in the 3,000 meters. And now BYU has dominated that event in many, many respects for many, many years. For him to set the all-time BYU record in that event, it's pretty impressive stuff. He ran in 7 minutes, 43.96 seconds. So congratulations to Casey Klinger on that uh, honor. Really cool stuff for him. All right, so there you go. That is how the weekend went. So some pretty big ups, but also BYU women's basketball kind of following the men's basketball trend. When they both win, it's great, but when they both lose, it's not so great. And that's it was a tough loss uh, for both of them on Saturday. Now, final thing before we go on today's show is a look back once again at one of the 155 games BYU has played as an independent program. Now, obviously, we talked on Friday about BYU losing at Boise, excuse me, not losing at Boise State, smashing Hawaii uh, 43-0 coming off the loss to Boise State. We talked about the Boise State debacle on Thursday, but BYU came into a matchup against Utah State, and obviously, uh, BYU was looking for any which way they could carry momentum forward from that Hawaii game. Well, Gary Anderson and Utah State decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to follow the same game plan that Boise State took. Uh, they took a 3-0 lead in the first quarter, and then BYU, just before halftime, Taysom Hill, who started this game, uh, passed for 235 yards, completes a touchdown pass just before halftime, and that's all BYU needed to win this game. It's crazy to think about this, but BYU won this game, if you think back to it, 6-3. to <laughs> And this is one of those things, man. What just happened? Because BYU... BYU was obviously set to face uh, number 14, Oregon State. Also had to go to Notre Dame uh, the rest of the season and Georgia Tech. Well, Riley Nelson still had his back injury. Uh, Taysom Hill came in, and like I said, 235 yards and a touchdown as a freshman. Impressive stuff. But nonetheless, BYU gets the gets the, uh, 
what am I trying to say? They get the win, 6-3 to three over Utah State. And I remember watching this game, and I'm like, what in the world is going on in this one? Because it's one of those games that you think back on and say, okay, 6-3, to three, what, what was really all exciting about it? But there wasn't necessarily a ton. But the biggest thing I want to pass along is BYU's defense. After this game, BYU's defense had not allowed a touchdown in 13 straight quarters coming into this game, and they did it once again to this uh, Utah State team. Remember, Utah State had Chucky Keaton. Yes, you know how Chucky was. He was absolutely uh, an incredible player for Utah State, and he was shut down by BYU's defense. I, I will maintain that the BYU 2012 defense was maybe one of the finest in BYU football history, but the fact that BYU finished the season 8-5 and five obviously negates a lot of them being uh, as celebrated as they probably should be in BYU history. But nonetheless, uh, BYU's defense makes that six points stand up. And Taysom, by the way, also ran for 80 yards to lead BYU in rushing in this game. He was showing, it felt like, okay, this is what Taysom is going to be capable of as just a freshman. What is the future going to hold? Well, we all knew, we all know what the future was going to hold for Taysom Hill. Season-ending injuries, and one of them, no, excuse me, two of them, against Utah State in future games. But it's one of those things that you look at and say, okay, what? If you look back at it, what could have been for BYU in 2012 with this defense if they had just an offense that was average? Because this offense in 2012 was so up and down, and we all know that ultimately cost uh, Brandon Doman his job. But BYU gets the win nonetheless, gets to four and two on the season, drops Utah State to four and two on the season, and then BYU was uh, back in action the following week. And we'll talk more about that matchup on tomorrow's show. It's one of those things, by the way. I, I look at these. Uh, each of these games kind of looking back at them, and I'm like, man, in a microcosm, each one of them has kind of got its unique thing about it. And BYU is going to host Oregon State the week after that. It was actually a three-game homestand for BYU. But you smash Hawaii. You're feeling really good about yourself. You grind out a really tough win against an in-state rival in Utah State. But then, all of a sudden, Sean Mannion and the high-powered Oregon State Beavers offense is coming to Provo. Well, what was going to happen? Well, we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. All right, so there you go. That has caught you guys up on everything that happened this weekend in BYU sports. Some wild stuff all the same. Some great commitments from BYU uh, tapping in to the Old Snow College connections on the BYU you probably should tap into more often. But great stuff all the same. We'll have you covered, by the way. We'll do a little bit of a... Of a Excuse me, a signing day primer on Wednesday, getting you ready for National Signing Day. What to expect from BYU with regards to guys coming into the program who should sign versus preferred walk-ons. We'll get you ready all week long and also keep it locked here as we talk all things Senior Bowl as well. Any and all nuggets that come out of the Senior Bowl involving both Blake, oh, not both, but all three of Blake Freeland, Pukunaku, and, and Jaron Hall will have you covered right here as well. So keep it locked right here on Locked On Cougars. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Now I'll go make your second listen, our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. It's a great way to get caught up on all things Big 12 news. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcast. It's also available on YouTube. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.